Well, I've titled today's message, Take the City. Take the City. How many of you have a desire to take our city for God? Anybody else? Let's just take our city for God. Let's see more people transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Let's see more marriages restored. Let's see more people set free from addictions. Let's, see, let's unpopulate hell and populate heaven. Let's see the crime rate go down because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's see more children educated and empowered and having a strong Christian faith and also an education to to, to move forward in their life. Let's see students on fire for Jesus Christ, living their life passionate for Jesus Christ. Let's take our city for God. And today I want us to look at a story in Joshua chapter 6. We're going to camp out there today. And in Joshua chapter 6, the Israelites were taking the city of Jericho for God. God had promised them this this land, the promised land, and Jericho was the first city that they were to inhabit and to take over for God so they could live there, they could dwell there, they could could raise their families there. It was a, a good land where they could live life and life more abundantly, but there was an issue. When they got to Jericho, this first land, there was a wall around the city. There, were, uh, there was a big gate around the city so that no one could get in. The Bible says it like this in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 1. Now the gates, the walls of Jericho, were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So there was a large wall built around Jericho to keep people out out. Let me tell you about the vision of People's Church. And the the first thought I want us to sow into your heart is this. We tear down walls. We don't build walls. We tear down walls to get people in, not to keep people out. And a lot of different organizations, they build walls to keep people out. Certain organizations, you know, you have to be a member to be a part of their organization. You have to kind of have a, this membership or, or else you don't get the privileges. You can't be a part of us unless you become a member of our organization. Or there are some neighborhoods that have amenity, amenities in them. And these amenities, you, can, you cannot use these amenities. It's just for our neighborhood. It's for, it's for us. It's for us insiders. It is not for you. And even churches can begin to build walls. Some some are real, literal walls, and some are, are invisible walls or, or even rules that churches come up with that have walls that keep people out. And a lot of church people, a lot of people, including church people and, and including unchurched people, believe that church is for church people. Yeah, church is for church people. They think church is for church people just like golf is for golfers and hunting is for hunters. And if you're going to go to church, you should be a church person. And there are some people who do not go to church. And if you talk with them, they don't have a problem with God. They have a problem with church. And their thinking is this, they think church is for church people. And then us Christians, when we're not careful, we have a tendency, we have this mindset that we blame people who don't go to church, and we blame them that they don't want to come to church. Like, like we, we, we just blame them that you don't want to connect with God, do you? And we, we say things like, you know what, those people don't want God. Th- those people aren't hungry for God. And yet I want us to understand that whenever people who don't know God, they're unchurched, whenever 
people think that church is for church people, it's not the people's fault, it's the church's fault. The the problem is this, if church is for church people, then Christianity is for church people. And if Christianity is for church people, then God is for church people. But then when you open up the Bible, it says the exact opposite. Here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 30. It says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these were the church people, the, the religious people of the day. It says this. Teachers of the law who belong to their sect, they had this membership, they had this, this group, this elite group to the sect, complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you hanging out with these lost people? Jesus answered him, it is them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And then Jesus says something so strong. He says, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. You see, Christ didn't come for church people. He didn't come for perfect people. He didn't come for people who have it all together. Christ came for sinners. You see, church isn't for church people. Listen, church is for everybody. Just like Christianity isn't just for church people. Church isn't for church people. It is for everybody. Church should be a place where the Christian can come and they can grow in their relationship with Christ. They can become more like Jesus Christ. But church should also be a place where the biblically illiterate don't know anything about God, don't know if I even care about God, can show up at a church and encounter the grace and the mercy and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Church should be a place where everybody can connect with God right where they are. But a person far from God can't find Christ when the church builds walls to keep people out. And I want you to understand something. The devil can't stop the church from taking a city. Some people blame the devil. The devil's going to stop us from taking the city. No, no, no. The devil's not going to stop us from taking a city. Do you know who's going to stop the church from taking the city? The church stops the church from taking a city. The Bible says it like this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus said, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Let me tell you what Jesus is building. He's building his church. You want to find out if your passions are in alignment with Jesus, just ask yourself, what am I building? Jesus said, I am about building my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, I will build my church, and I've already took care of the gates of hell. I died on the cross. I rose again. I disarmed the devil of all his powers. I hold all power in my hands, and I'm going to build my church, and the devil, the gates of hell, the power of the devil will not stop the church. I will build my church, but the thing that stops the church is the church. When the church starts building walls to keep people out instead of to get people in. And you say, how do churches start building walls? And sometimes it's intentional, but sometimes churches can build walls and it's unintentional. Churches build walls when when we don't have the passion and don't have passion for lost people. We start building walls. We we don't have a passion for, for lost people. You see, the Pharisees, they didn't have a passion for lost people. They were actually saying, Jesus, why are you hanging out with those people? Why are you in their home? Why are you talking to those people? They didn't have a passion. They, they were building walls 
instead of trying to reach out to people who needed God, they, they, they were building, they, they didn't have a passion. Not, not only did they not have a passion, they didn't have any compassion for people who did not know God. They got so, such so insider thinking that they no longer had a passion for people who did not know God. And then Jesus says this. He says, here's the great commission. Here's what I'm commissioning you to, to, to do, church. He says, go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Go and reach people who are far from God. And then sometimes we get in church so long, our commission, we don't think it's to go. We think it's to stay. It's to hide. It's to build walls. It's to protect ourselves from you crazy people. And Jesus, I didn't tell you to stay. I didn't tell you to be comfortable. The great commission is that you would go and we start building walls when we lose our passion for lost people. You know, you know, another way that we start building walls is when we make church all about what I can get. It's just about, church is about what I can get. And we become consumers instead of contributors. And when we become consumers, church becomes all about me. And matter of fact, that, that, that there's, that there's this kind of mentality sometimes in our culture that says, I go to church for me. Church is for me. And we don't realize that, listen, listen, church is just not for us. We're actually, we are the church. And we're here for the world. We're here to reach them and to serve them and to love them and to be salt and to be light. And we start building walls when we start thinking church is just for me. And here's what happens when we make church just for us. We get real selfish. We just think about us and how we want it. And it's got to be just like we like it. And this is how I like it. And don't mess with how I like it. I don't really care about what you think. This is my church. Here's how I like it. We want to sing this way. We're going to do this. And don't mess with any of it because I like it. And then the famous last words of every dying church is, well, we've always done it that way. We've, we've, I mean, we've always done it that way. And you're just, you're, just building, you're just building a wall and keeping people out. You have just said we are not going to be relevant and reach our, or reach our city. We're not willing to change to reach our city. And friends, can I tell you, we have to be willing to change. Let me clarify that at People's Church, we're a Bible-teaching church. We believe the Bible is inspired by God. It's the infallible Word of God. It's anointed. So we're never going to change our message. But we have to be willing to change our methods so that we can connect with our society and reach people who are far from God. Lord, help us to never be a church where we say, well, we've always done it that way, and we're not willing to change to be relevant to people right where they are and to reach them and to help them know Christ. Help us, Lord, not to build walls to keep people out. Another way that we start building walls is when we think discipleship means knowing more and not doing more. I see this a lot, where, where, where Christians think discipleship means I just need to know more, I just need to study the Bible more, I just need to memorize more scripture, I just need to get to more Bible studies, I just need to be in about 15 small groups, I just need more and more, I just need to know. And you know what? We do. We should grow in our faith. We should know more of the Bible, memorize more scriptures, be in Bible studies, all that is important. But knowing more without doing more is not discipleship. You see, the closer you get to God, the more you know, the more that you should do. James says it like this, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. And so discipleship is, listen, the more I know, the more I do. And whenever I know more and I'm not doing more, I'm just getting puffed up. I'm just building walls. I'm just making it all about me and all about my knowledge. Because see, the Pharisees, they were very knowledgeable. Matter of fact, some of them were teachers of the law. They knew the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They taught it to other people, and yet they looked at lost people and said, why would Jesus hang out with those people? 
They knew more what they weren't doing more. And the more we know, the more we should serve people, the more we should love people, the more compassion that we should have, the more mercy and grace that we should have, the more we should be reaching out to people who are hurting and lost and far from God, the more we should be serving them, the more we should be trying to disciple people and help them grow in their faith, the more we know should be the more that we do, the closer to God that we get, the more that we ought to serve broken and lost humanity. And many people start building walls because they think, I just need to know more. And whenever you get puffed up and full of pride, you start building walls. Another reason people start building walls is we think deep means becoming judgmental and critical of people. Matter of fact, when, everybody, when somebody tells me they're deep, I get nervous. Because deep usually means about the next sentence, I'm getting ready to judge somebody and be critical. And maybe a you. I mean, I mean you know, that's just people get, when they get deep, people get weird. Because the Pharisees were deep. I mean, they were studying the law, studying the Torah, knew it. They had their little sect in their group, but they were, I mean, they were such so judgmental. They were judgmental, judge, judging Jesus. How many know you're really critical when you judge Jesus? Like, why is he hanging out with these people? Does he not know who we are and who they are? And they were critical. They had a critical spirit. And whenever we develop a critical spirit, a judgmental spirit, can I tell you something? A judgmental and critical spirit is not a fruit of the spirit. I think sometimes we think we're being spiritual when we can judge and criticize people and criticize a lost and broken world. You're not being spiritual. You're, you have a brick in your hand. And you're just building walls to keep people out. And you know the funny thing is we'll say this, I want to reach people far from God. Oh, pastor, let's, let's reach people far from God. And then we'll say, yeah, invite them in. We're going to have Wild World next week. Invite them in. And then we go, they come in. Mm, can you believe what they're wearing? What are, you, what are you dressed like that for? Don't you, didn't you know to raise your hand now? We sit now. Don't sit. And don't sit in my seat, though. Don't get in my seat. Don't sit. And don't take my spot. Now, you come on to church, but now don't you. And we start, create, we start making it difficult for people to connect with God. Church people make it difficult for people to connect with God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 15, verse 19, it says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Here's what James says. James says, us Jews are not going to make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And here's what was happening back in their day in church life, back in, 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 when, when the Bible was being written and what was happening in that day. They, they were literally building walls. Out, the, the insiders were building walls to keep the outsiders from connecting with God. Walls were being built, and it was by the insiders. It was by the church. And the church was literally telling the Gentiles back then, you know the only way you can come to God, the only way you can serve God and live for God, is you have to be circumcised. Every man has to be circumcised. Eight days or older, I don't care if he's 96, if, he, if you want to know God, you will have to have surgery. So come on into the doctor's office. Get your appointment, 8 o'clock. But I gave my life to Jesus. I'm trying. I'm trying to live for God. I just gave That's not good enough. Come on and have surgery. Then you know the Lord. And I've said this before, but how many know that the first membership class, the first first step class in the early church was all women? How many know what I'm talking about, huh? All the men were going, let me pray about that. I don't know if I want Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Thanks for the invitation, but let me pray. 
I got to have surgery to know. And they were making it difficult for people to turn to God. And we do the same thing. We get so insider. We get all just full of Christianity and cliches. And we start making it difficult for people who don't know God, who don't know the Bible. We start making it difficult and adding rules and what we like and how we want it. And it has to be like this. And, and we start making it difficult for people who just want to connect with God. And at People's Church, we do not want to make it difficult for people who want to turn to God. We do not want to build walls to keep people out. We want to build bridges to our community to get people in. That's why we do events like the Day of Hope, to give backpacks away and minister to thousands of people and to help them and create an environment where they can come and haircuts and immunizations and doctors. And we do all of that to say, we're building a bridge that you can come. This is a place you can come and connect with God. Listen, that's why we go to schools and we clean up schools and we paint schools and we refurbish them. And we go and make an investment because we're building, we're, building, we're building bridges to our community. That's why we have events like Easterland when we had 12,000 people across our locations on Easter. And we built a bridge to our community to say, you're welcome. Welcome at People's Church. That's why we're doing Wild World next week. And some of you would say, Wild World? I saw those ponies. You're having ponies on God's property? What is wrong with this church? Get over it. We're trying to build a bridge to a lost and broken world and say, you matter. You're welcome here. Everybody can come just like you are and connect with the loving God. We believe that you can come just like you are. It's okay not to be okay. Just come to church just like you are. But we also believe this, that it's not okay to stay that way because Jesus changes lives. He will change your life. He will transform your life. He will change you upside down if you connect with him. Church is for everybody. It doesn't matter to me if you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Indian. This church is for everybody. It doesn't matter. I know it's the political season and all of you are, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, or you don't know what you are. You are welcome at People's Church. It doesn't matter to me if you're rich or you're poor or you're middle class. You're welcome at People's Church. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter the sins you have committed. You are welcome at People's Church. We believe you can come just like you are and encounter a loving and gracious God that will change your life. You say, Pastor, it sounds like you're just a little bit, you have a little little passion about tearing down walls. Uh, it sounds like you're just, why are you so passionate about tearing down walls and trying to make church for everybody? I'll tell you why. Because everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody is going to spend eternity somewhere. Everybody needs new life through Christ. Everybody needs a spiritual family to do life with, and especially during the difficult times of life. Everybody needs Christian friends. Everybody needs biblical solutions to life's problems. And when Jesus said, God so loves the world, he wasn't talking about church people. He was talking about everybody. And so church is for everybody. The gospel is for everybody. Everybody matters to God. So we will tear down walls to try to reach as many people as possible for Christ. Number two is this. Number two is this. I want you to know a second thing about taking our city, and that is we take cities together. We take cities together. Notice in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Take the city. I've already d delivered Jericho. Take the city. Take the city. Take the city. Along with this king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, 
day, march around the city seven times with the priest blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up everyone straight in. Here's what I want you to notice. Israel took the city together. They all did their part. They had to march. Some had to carry the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord. Some had to carry trumpets and, and blow the trumpets. Some marched in front of the Ark to protect it. Some guarded the Ark from behind. Each one had to do their part. They took the city together. And the only way that we can take our city, our state, our nation, and our world is we have to do it together. 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 We're better together. It reminds me of a of a story. There, there was a man that from the States here in America that went over to Africa to go hunting. And he was hunting wild animals and he was out there in the middle of the jungle hunting. And, and he came to this open field and he saw a dead rhinoceros. And he saw this huge rhino. He thought, who in the world killed that rhino? And then he notices this little small African man. And he looks at him, and the African man is kind of smiling, like, yeah, you know, just checking that out. He's thinking, you killed that rhino? He said, did you, how in the world did you kill this rhino? He said, yeah, he said, the club. The club killed this rhino. And this man's thinking, my goodness, how big is that club? Does it have spikes on it? He said, man, he said, how many, how, how big is the club? How, how, how big is your club? He said, well, there's about 100 people in it. You'll get it later. You'll get it later. You're slow. Yeah, it wasn't this kind of club. He said, uh, the boys killed that rhino. Yeah, that, we're called the club. And the club did it together. And if we're going to take our city for God, we have to do it together. One is too small of a number for greatness. We are truly better together. We're more powerful together. Listen, we will accomplish more together than we can by ourselves. There's power in the church. There's power in numbers. There's power when we all do our part. Come on, I want to do a little illustration with you. Now, don't be the person who doesn't participate. Come on, everybody participate, all right? Everybody, all of our locations, hold up two fingers, just, just one finger piece on both hands. Come on, just come on, everybody do it. Now, would you just, come on, just clap with me. Would you do that? Just clap. Would you just do that? Just clap. I don't hear you. Can you make a little noise? Let me hear you. Okay. All right. All right. Now give me two fingers. Just two. Come on. Everybody do two. Sound like a little Shetland pony now. Just a little bit pony. Little bit pony. Little pony. Little pony going. Come on. Give me three fingers. All right. A little bigger horse. All right. Come on. Give me four now. Give me four. Give me four. Give me four. Now come on. Everybody clap with the whole hand. We're more powerful together. We can do more together. There's power when we're all working together. And sometime in church, we go, you know what? I'm just going to be a consumer. I'm just going to spectate. I'm just going to watch. And we'll let them do their part. Well, I'll let those people do their part. But the real power is when we all decide we're going to take our city together. We're going to march together. We're going to serve together. We're going to give. We're going to do our part to take our city for God. Come on, anybody want to take the city for God? Let's all do our part. We're better together. We're stronger together. We're better together. Number three is this. Number three is this. 
taking the city for God. We must advance to take the city. We must advance to take the city. Notice this, advance. Joshua 6, verse 7 and 9 says, and he ordered the army, advance, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had, t- had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the trumpets before the Lord went forward. Notice, they went forward, blowing the trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. So notice this, God spoke to Israel, take the city. He promised them the victory. And then God gave them instructions on how to take the city, march around the city. Everybody do your part and march around the city. And now Israel had to come to this place when they heard what God said, are we going to advance? Are we going to actually go forward? Are we just going to deliberate about it? And the Bible says they decided to advance. They decided to go forward and advance and to take the city. And God's speaking to us right now. Take the city. Come on, everybody, do your part. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't be a consumer. Be a contributor. Don't be a spectator. Be a participator. Don't just deliberate. Participate. Don't just, don't just talk about taking the city. Don't talk. Start to walk and take the city for God. And today what I want to do is I want to give you four practical ways to advance, to take our city for God. You say, Pastor, are you going to ask us to do something? Yes. So and there's, no, I'm, there's no trickery. There's no, ooh, he's trying to, he is trying. No, I'm just telling you right up front. We need you to do your part. We're, we're better together. And so four practical ways that we can march together to take our city. Number one is this pray. So, Pastor, you're just trying to use a cliche. No, I believe in the power of prayer. We must have God's presence. They had to take the ark around the city. We've got to pray, pray, pray every day for your church. Pray for the leadership. Pray for our church. Pray for our city. Pray for people to come to Christ. Pray for a while. Pray, pray, pray. Get to church before our first services at all of our locations. We have a prayer meeting about 50 minutes or so before service. Come pray, pray, pray. We've got to pray. It takes God's power to reach our city. Number two is this, participate. Would you decide today, Pastor, I have been a spectator, but I'm going to be a participator. I'm not going to just watch. I'm going to participate. Let me give you our vision. We want to see more changed lives by helping each person, number one. Here's our vision. Know God. We want to help everybody know God. Matter of fact, if you're here right now at one of our locations and you don't know God, that's the first step for you to advance would you know God? Would you give your life to Christ? Would you fully surrender to him? We want to help people know God, know God, know God. Number two is this, our vision. We want to help people grow in God, to know God and then to grow in God. And we believe the best way to do that is in a small group setting. It's the best way. I love small groups. I'm in a small group. Matter of fact, one of the people in our small group, they have a swimming pool. And we're going to take our family over tonight with our other small group members. And I'm going to baptize that swimming pool tonight. You know, I'm going to just baptize it. You know, I'm going to just get small group, small group. So I want to encourage you, find a small, get to our group central out in the lobby, our group area. There's a group area out in the lobby. Would you find a group, find, lead a group, find a group. Some of you, the best way for you to get connected into a small group is get to our family night. On August the 24th, there's going to be pizza night. We're going to serve food for everybody, adults, teenagers, kids. We're going to have parentology classes going on, and you can come and start taking steps to get connected. Advance, advance. you got to grow spiritually, and relationships is key. 
Number three is this. We want you to know God, grow in God. Number three, discover your purpose. Discover your purpose. And we believe one of the best ways for you to discover your purpose is you have to get planted in God's house. you got to get committed to a local church. Listen, you will never live out your God-given potential to its fullest by doing life by yourself. You've got to get connected to the local church that God is building. The psalmist said, you will flourish if you will get connected in God's house. Your life will flourish. And we want to help you get connected. So we have a class called First Step. It's in your bulletin. Would you get to First Step? Would you actually advance? Now, don't talk about it. I'm thinking about what you say, Pastor. The details are in the bulletin, all of our locations. Would you advance and get to First Step and let us help you get connected in the family of God and knowing more about the Lord and know more about people's church? Discover, you have to discover your purpose. Know God, grow in God, discover your purpose. Number four, make a difference. We want you were created to make a difference. Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. We want you to get plugged into serving and making a difference. Serving, first of all, you're beginning your local church. Just begin at the church. Start serving in the church. Every week, I'm going to find a ministry to serve in. I mean, we could use it in our kids' ministry to continue to invest in our children or in our parking lot ministry. Say, Pastor, I'll get out there. I'll serve in the parking lot and be the, 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 the first impression people have of this church. I'll, maybe behind the scenes in our admin area, you can come. You're gifted administratively, and you can help us with that. Serve. We would love for more of you to get plugged into Mabel Bassett at the correct facility. Say, Pastor, I will serve there and make a difference. And in the lobby, at all locations, there's a table that you can go out there and in the lobby right now after service and get, get, get signed up to serve somewhere. And I know what some of you are going to do. You're going to walk by that table and you're just going to look at it and say, ooh, that's a nice serving table. And I just pray the Lord will arrest you and grab a hold of you and you just can't, you're paralyzed. And you got to go by that table and say, I'm going to help my church. I'm going to, not, not, not just two or three, I'm going to do my part to make a difference. And then number, number three is this. We want everybody to do their part and help us advance by giving, by being a, a giver. And here's what I want you to know. To God be all the glory. Every single Sunday, people give their life to Jesus Christ. Every single Sunday. Every, every Wednesday night, let's don't ever take that for granted, that we see people come to Christ every single week. We have already this year baptized hundreds of people in water. They've been public for Jesus this year alone. Our attendance is up. We're having a record year of giving at People's Church. And can we right now just take time and say thank you, Jesus? Would you just thank the Lord for his faithfulness to our church? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. And so I, I want to ask you, would you help us advance the kingdom of God by tithing, giving 10% of your income to the local church where you worship? If it's this church, would you return the tithe? If you're not a tither, begin there. Say, Pastor, I'm going to be committed to be a tither. If you already are, thank the Lord for your investment to help us see more changed lives. Begin there. And then the next thing that we're committed to as people's church is dream builders, giving above the tithe. And we told ourselves this as a church. If we would give a million dollars above the tithe, there were many projects I laid out to the church that we were going to do together. And to date, we've given $210,000 to see more changed lives through these projects. And you say, Pastor, are you disappointed that the church has not given more? Not at all. Here's my heart. At the speed in which we give is the speed in which we will take care of the needs. And I'm not going to pressure anybody. I'm not going to twist anybody's arm. I'm not going to manipulate anybody. As we give... We're just going to continue to be a blessing to those who are less fortunate and need our help. And so my prayer is that we will all pray and hear from God 
and be a blessing above our tithe and be generous. And I can already tell you with the money that's been given, we started Mabel Bassett this year. We're in that prison every single week. That $75,000 is making an investment. With kids, we've given $15,000 to help after children after school. We, we church plants. Many of you have heard us talk about ARC, the Association of Related Churches. I'm, I'm on the board there. I'm on the lead team there of ARC. We're starting 59 brand new churches across America this fall. We will reach the over 600 church plants this fall. We're part, our giving is making that happen. A lot of those guys are getting forty dollars or $50,000 to get their church off the ground. We're matching that money. So we're a part of that. And now the, 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 what we're doing right now is, is, is we're focused on Haiti. And one of the, our tenders, members here at People's Church, is at a, one of the leadership team of an organization there in Haiti. And we're trying to st- help just sponsor kids to get an education and food and, 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 put, and put clothing on their back. And I'll let Otis kind of tell you about what we're doing right now to see lives change in Haiti. Check out this quick video. My name is Otis Garrison, and uh, I've attended People's Church for three years. I'm vice president of Mission of Hope. The country of Haiti, it's, uh, it's obviously, it's recognized as the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Children there really have a rough life. 50% of the children will never attend school. And of those that do, only 2% will ever graduate from high school. Most of your children are very fortunate if they even get a meal every day uh, throughout any given week. And uh, so just, it's a very hard life. A child that's actually in school that uh, is a part of our Change One program, they get a uniform, uh, they get a meal every day. They're getting a Christian-based education and they get to have hope in their life. And that's probably the big thing. A kid named John Mark, his mom, died when he was the age of 12, just a very young lady, a young mother, asked that we would take him into our school and into our orphanage. And uh, Mission of Hope took John Mark in. Today, he is actually attending Southwestern Christian University here in Oklahoma City. And that all came about because of, of him being sponsored by someone. One of the things that when you go to Haiti that you recognize right off that there's a lot of people without hope. So when these children come into school, hope is established in their life and all of a sudden there's a light that comes on and they begin to know that, hey, we can make it. I can become someone. You can change the life of my sister, brother, friend. All it takes is one of you to change one life. It all starts with one. Just one. To change one life, one heart. One child. One child. For the better, be the one to change one. Be the one to change one. Be the one to change one. To change one. So we're excited about that as a church to make a difference in those students in Haiti. And so we told Otis we want to sponsor 100 children. And so it's $40,000 to sponsor 100 children. We're halfway there. We're at 20,000. So thank you for your generosity. And here's what I would ask you to do. Would you just pray and say, God, what would you have me to do above my tithe? If you're not a tither, begin there. Begin by putting food in the house, by tithing. And then after you return 10% of your income, then say, Lord, what would you have me to do for dream builders? Would you pray about that? If God says do nothing, you don't do anything, and you feel great about it. You just obey with God. He said, doesn't tell you to do anything, but if God speaks to you and says, give a 10,000, give a 1,000, give, give, give 20,000, give 50. Somebody might write a check for 100,000 or a million dollars, but I just want you to pray. And there is no pressure. It is simply saying, God, what would you have me to do to speed up the vision of people's church? And at the speed of the giving, 
will determine the speed of what we're able to do as a church as we just say, I want to do my part. And after we provide the funds for Haiti, our next project is right here in our city, City Rescue Mission. I've talked to you about it. And we reached out to them to make sure that they still have the need. And they said, hey, we still need the, the, the walk-in freezer uh, to be able to serve the homeless in our community, uh, the poor, serving meals and providing for them and beds for them. And so I asked that we, we that they sent us a picture of the, 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 the walk-in freezer so you can kind of see the current condition. And that's kind of the current condition of the freezer. It's kind of just falling apart on them. And so as we give, we'll be able to help the city rescue mission right here in our city continue to serve the poor and the homeless and the needy in our city. So that'll be the next project we tackle together. And last but not least, number four is this. How do we advance the vision? take our city is invite and invest. Would you invite people? Here's what I believe. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we have a passion for people who don't know God. And here's my challenge to all of you. I believe at least twice a year, really probably more, but twice a year, someone far from God should be sitting next to you because you invited them. At least twice a year that you invited somebody and they don't know God and they're sitting next to you. And we want to partner with you. You bring them. I'll even tell you the good times to bring them, like next week's a good time. But really think about this. When's the last time you brought somebody who did not know Jesus and they sat next to you? I'm afraid for some of us the answer would be a really scary answer because it has been years. And I'm saying, God wants to use you. Would you help us advance? There are people that you, don't, that you know that I will never know. I'll never get to talk to them. And if you invite them here, I will share Jesus with them. I'll share the gospel with them. I'll give them an opportunity to accept Christ. But would you invite them here to church at least twice a year? And this coming up season's perfect. This parentology series, Wild World next week. Then I'm going to start a series called Enemies. It's going to be so relevant to everybody and those who don't know the Lord. Would you invite people and then invest in them spend time with them help them get connected in the church don't just say well you showed up good luck no help them sit with them help them get connected in first step help them get connected in a small group and invest in their life and people's church let's advance our city by tearing down walls I couldn't wait to do that all service long those are real bricks and I'm just powerful did you see that okay they're not real bricks but let's tear down walls and let's decide that we're going to advance and march and take our city for God together by all of us doing our part. Let's see people saved and healed and delivered and marriages restored and people set free from addictions. Let's take our city together and all do our part.